You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Padres Social Hour. It is a Wednesday, I believe. Let me double check that. Yes, it is. I said it just kind of reflexively, and as I was saying it, I wasn't totally sure. But I'm glad that I was right, and I'm glad you're with us. Thank you. Good to see you. Melody and Edward and Terry and Kick Pop and Dina and George and Brenda and everybody else piling on in for this uh, evening's uh, edition of Social Hour. Ty France, the Padre infielder, and the Aztec for Life will join us coming up in a little bit. We will also visit with uh, one of my favorite guys in baseball, Diamondbacks broadcaster Mike Farron who you uh, may very well hear on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM, one of the absolute just best guys in our business. And uh, we'll talk baseball with him, find out what he hears uh, in terms of what baseball 2020 is going to look like. That's the guest situation. The co-situation is very exciting. Uh, We're used to seeing uh, Mark Grant here on Thursdays with Orsillo. He's got a new partner tonight. Uh, Brady Phelps is with us here. No pressure, Brady, whatsoever. No pressure, Brady. Crickets. No Brady at all. That's it. The pressure got to him. He's frozen. He's frozen, solid. He's frozen stiff. He, he's so excited. He's so nervous, like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. It's good uh, to be with crazy. you, though, Jess. What's that? It's good. <laughs> it's good to be with you. Let's start over. <laughs> Can we do a mulligan? Three, two, one. And welcome to Padres Social Hour. Hi, Mark Grant. How are you? Jesse, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me co-host this evening. I'm really looking forward to it. Two nights for me tomorrow also and uh, this evening, Wednesday. Today is I, Wednesday. I, I, it is Wednesday. I appreciate you uh, doing a little extra heavy lifting for us here. Uh, no like I said, we got Ty France coming up. Uh, also, Mike Farron, you and I got to, a chance to speak with him a little while ago. It's kind of fascinating, and I'm sure you're having conversations with your friends in the business, and I am too. Uh, it's like everybody's like, hey, what do you hear? What do you hear? Um, like the fans out there, you know, we're in limbo. We want to know what's going on. And, and my great assessment of the situation is nobody knows anything right now. I'm just in a holding pattern like you are. And I hate to seem like a, a broken record in fans out there. If maybe I'm out at the store or something. And you see me. I mean, it's probably going to be the same thing. I like Jesse and the, a lot of the other announcers. I talked to Ryan Smilborgs today from the Colorado Rockies. He is in the same boat waiting to see what happens. We can all speculate to see what's going to happen. When the team travels, are we going to travel? Where are we going to be doing games from? When the team is at home, if they're at home, where, what are we going to do? What are the accommodations going to be? Where am I going to be sitting? Uh, am I going to be in a different room than Don? Am I going to be who knows where? So everybody is, uh, you know, I, I just, and like my family, they're, they're getting anxious to kick me out of the house as well. I mean, they want to see me out of here. So I just tell them, hey, you know, when I get a phone call, uh, we will all know maybe if the spring training starts in June. Uh, they'll give us a heads up and then they'll say, OK, then the schedule come out. We will get plenty of time before this all gets going to uh, to be prepared and then know what's going on. So the fans, I guess, Jesse, it's fair to say the fans know just about as much as we do right at this point. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think we're trying to figure everything. Oh, hello. Uh, okay. Trying to figure everything else out in, in real time. All we can do is collect information, 
disseminate information. That's what we've been doing on a on a nightly basis. Brady, what I was saying was no pressure as uh, you step in to co-host with us tonight. Yeah, no pressure. I, I don't know how you did it, Mud, but the second you found out that it wasn't Don that was going to be on with you, you somehow kicked me off the internet. I don't know how you managed to do that, but here here we are. It's good to see you. Thanks, buddy. It's great to be here. I feel uh, honored, honored to uh, step in for your boy, Don. I get, You guys are going to be back on tomorrow, I hear. Is that correct? correct. Yes. Correct. Yeah, well, yep. that show will be much better than this one. So <laughs> looking forward to it. It, uh, it it's always a good time that's all i'll say that'll be tomorrow at 5 30 tonight uh we'll we'll have fun with everybody who's here um baseball 2020 is is again the hot topic and the thing we discuss every night i think now at this point when we start the show no real like news news in the last 24 48 hours uh apparently mlb uh you know sent out this document there have been calls uh, between the players and the union and their agents and everybody's trying to kind of figure out what they think about these health and safety recommendations that MLB put together. It's sounding like we'll probably hear something from the different parties uh, later this week, maybe tomorrow, maybe Friday, and then we'll kind of take it from there. But no like newsiness uh, in the last day or two as everybody sort of absorbs that uh, reportedly 67-page document uh, and figures some things out. Um, all of that is not to say that there isn't plenty to discuss. And I thought Peter Gammons had a really thoughtful and thought-provoking article in The Athletic today Uh, mainly focused on pitchers coming out of this thing. And he talked to a bunch of different pitching coaches. He talked to a bunch of different uh, people around baseball about sort of the injury concerns that exist or might exist when we start to get everything going again, coming out of, uh, you know, this layoff. Uh, And so this was the the Padre paragraph. He talked to the pitching coach, Larry Rothschild. He says, hey, just keep your arms in shape, throw naturally. Don't be worried about spin rates and velocity. Hopefully Mm -hmm. when you're healthy, that takes care of itself. Just come back do the fundamental things correctly, and everything else will sort of fall into place. Now, some uh, pitching coaches have different philosophies than that. If you read the article, um, I I kind of like the keep it simple thing right now just because there are so many weird variables. But, Mud, I don't think there's any question that Mm -hmm. pitcher health, uh, from a pure baseball standpoint, putting aside virology for a few moments, as tough as that might be to do, arm health is probably going to be the main non-virus health topic of the start of this season. I concur with you, Jesse. And here's a couple of points uh, after looking at that quote. And if I were a pitching coach, what I would do, I'd like to keep it simple as well. Um, Individual pitchers are going to do their individual programs. They're going to do their own exercises that they've been doing for years and years and years, whether in high school, through college, and then minor leagues, and and then big league baseball. And I like to to use the analogy, kind of like what Larry was saying in that statement, where it read that, uh, you know, keep it loose, keep it going, keep but not, not like a boil. Like if you're boiling water, right, you get that water going, it gets to a boil, right? Uh, you don't you, you don't even want to have your arm going all out right now, not even medium. I, I kind of say, you know, in spring training, the first spring training, they were game conditioned. You know, it's boiling. It's, 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 it's out there. It's giving it your all. Uh, now that this is going on, maybe bring it down to a simmer a little bit to where you turn it down a little bit. You're going out there, you're playing catch. Maybe you're jumping up on the hill maybe once every four or five days, whatever. Long toss to me. It goes back to what I said earlier. Everybody's going to do their own little routine. I loved long toss. I played long toss virtually every day, uh, especially when I was a reliever because I like to keep my arm loose and extended and uh, elongated. And just, you know, it just felt good for me to, to throw the ball 100 yards or so, uh, 80 to 100 yards in the outfield during batting practice. So don't go all out right now. If you want to spin a few curveballs, breaking balls, whatever, just to stay sharp, just to get the feel. I think that's the deal. You don't have to go all out as long as you keep the feel of the breaking ball, the splitty, the slider, whatever, the fastball. Keep it at a simmer. 
not even medium. Don't, don't boil it right now. We don't need you right now. So just simmer down. Very zen. <laughs> I feel great now. I feel relaxed. Yeah. Now, what do you think? I mean, seriously, right? It, it's, yeah. it's pretty simple. I like how you carried out the analogy, the simmer analogy for a while there. It was yeah. good. Yeah. You really dragged it on. Um, yeah, it, it makes sense, you know, what Larry Rothschild's saying. And, and you seem to certainly be in that camp of, like, just be ready to go, but you don't actually have to go. Uh, you know, at this point and, and the unknowns of it all are very interesting, but it, it leads into that conversation, Brady, of like what the games will actually look like. You know, will there be larger bullpens? I think that's a pretty safe bet at this point, although obviously nothing has been approved official, all that kind of thing. But you got to figure because of all of this, they're going to want to have extra arms available uh, to go to. So you're not putting too much pressure on these guys. We could have some very different strategy in these games with, with some of the possible rule changes or adjustments in roster size here in 2020. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about on previous shows the, uh, you know, the idea of this full bullpen complete game scenario and setting up for it when you, you know, are using your bullpen as a rotation. And I think that you shorten a season like this, um, you don't have those extended arms from doing the long toss that you were talking about, Mud, and you want to keep it at a simmer and not a boil. Uh, that's a great way to do it. It's just don't go as long, right? So I, I do think that, you know, relief pitchers, uh, they, they're going to be more more than there normally would have been. And and I think that, you know, there certainly won't be any complete games during the shortened season, um, but it's going to be strategic to see how you use guys like Yates, right? I mean, I feel like there's going to be times you're going to want to use him, but you need to save him. I, I don't, I mean, maybe there will be safe situations where you aren't going to be using your closer. So it'll be interesting to see if, if we can get back on the field. Um, it will be great if this is the biggest problem that we have is how do we use our relievers and we're not, um, we're not thinking about not being on the field. We're not thinking about health. We're not thinking about those things. If if we can get to a place where our biggest problem in the world is how do we use our relief pitchers, pitchers that's going to be a great place to be. Especially early on in the season. And again, we're making a lot of assumptions in this conversation about, uh, you know, things going off without a hitch in terms of the plan. And there's no guarantee of that. But again, just sort of for the sake of conversation, you see a guy like Cal Quantrill who Mud was sort of on the bubble in terms of the rotation during mm -hmm. spring training 1.0. You know, if there are bigger rosters, boy, he becomes to me a like a really valuable big league piece uh, because you could piggyback him with another guy and have them say, all right, hey, you're doing three innings today, yep. uh, Cal, and then someone else is going to do three innings or vice versa, that kind of stuff. If you're going to have those kinds of numbers available, Drew Pomerantz is a guy we kind of expected to be a late inning leverage reliever. What if now they said, hey, we're going to make him sort of a part of the rotation and maybe every six or seven days we're going to ask him to give us two innings at the start of the game. I mean, really, uh, this is without even talking to Jace or AJ or anybody in baseball operations. My imagination is taking off. Jake Cronenworth, a guy that, you know, again, on the roster bubble, he can pitch. He can play the infield a little bit. He maybe becomes as valuable a type of player as there is, aside from your stars, in a situation like this. It's going to be interesting at the very least. You know what I think? The, the certain pitcher that sticks out in this scenario that we're kind of hypothetically talking about is the guy who's the swing guy. And you mentioned Cal Quantrill. He can start in a moment. He can come to the ballpark, be in the bullpen, and not pitch for four or five days. And uh, the starting pitcher comes down with, with something he can't start. Guess what, Cal? You're going to start. He can do that. Uh, Matt Strom is a guy who can give you multiple innings. So I Perdomo. think, yeah, Perdomo. Good. Absolutely. He can spot start if, in a pinch if needed. So my, my point is like you were talking about Jesse, the, the expansion, if they do have the, the more relievers out of that bullpen, I think it would lean more towards a more swing guys that can give you more innings. And I think guys like that would be much more valuable out of that bullpen. And just for the reason you were talking about. Get Hoffy to come in. I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> 
space for everybody. You got Scanlon, Hoffman, put them all out there. Grant, you can <laughs> you can get a guy out. You can get me an out, can't you, bud? Well, if this, you know what? That's the good stuff right there. Now, if there's a blowout and like we like the Padres maybe have like a 14 run lead or a 14 run deficit, I'll go out there and sacrifice my um, rotator cuff and my <laughs> collateral to try to get through an inning or two to to save those guys in the bullpen. No question about it. Yeah, mud, mud. We saw we saw Trevor out there in in the brown in spring training. Did you get uh, one of those full uniforms as well? You know what, Brady? I got one in fantasy camp, but it wasn't yeah. the it wasn't the ones that were issued in spring training. I got the uh, like the Friday homes or something, or up with the SD on the chest. Okay. I don't you ever just wear it around the house during the quarantine? I, I wear, I wear uh, yeah. It's like it's like my smoking jacket. <laughs> okay, I'm here. Around the house with a pipe and wearing that. That's and perfect. Like a, yeah, a, a snifter of like um, cognac. Mm. <laughs> a, a what? of cognac? I, I, I had a little trouble there. What? Isn't it a snifter? What is it called? A snifter? A, uh, a snifter, I think. Yeah. Snifter? Yeah. Yeah. I, so. I knew you were gonna fast. you were gonna use words that I didn't know. It's just you know you're too sophisticated for me. No, 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 not this. Orsilla would have known that. I can tell you that much. So that baseball 2020, the latest, like we said, uh, are expecting some news probably by the end of the week. Not that it'll necessarily be final news in terms of an approval or anything like that. But that conversation will probably, to uh, extend Mud's analogy, well past its expiration date, uh, simmer its way uh, into the uh, the public again. Can I make one other point, Jesse and Brady? I, I, was, I was talking with a buddy of mine today uh, over the phone. Can you imagine, and it goes back to what we were talking about, not leaving any stone unturned regard, during this whole thing if we get this thing going. Can you imagine the discussions they're having to where they got to get this lined up to where everything is in order? I mean, every little single detail to where they 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 have to have everything ready to go in case a scenario comes up. Hey guys, we need to do this. Who who you know? We're we're in the manual. We're in the whatever. It just amazes to me how they're going to put this together and all the people, all the uh, the brain power they're they're having in, in conference calls or whatever to try yeah. to get this thing going it's amazing to me it is a mountain to climb from a logistical perspective that none of us have any sense of how insane it is here's what you need to know about the mlb schedule they start working on the schedule like two years before this season so the 2020 schedule i think got finalized or close to finalized at least internally not for public consumption like in the summer of 2018 i I believe is how that works and now you're obviously throwing away the 2020 schedule not only that you're playing about half the games if it goes on the way we're expecting. Not only that, but you're only going to play the West, NL West and AL West. So literally, there is no formula in terms of how to get this done. Mm-hmm. The idea would be, okay, we'll play X games against all the NL West teams, using the Padres as an example. We'll play Y games uh, against the AL West teams, and that's it. All right, let's look at the ballparks. Let's figure out the travel. You probably want to stack games against the, the Giants and the A's on the road for all these teams back-to-back just to kind of limit the travel. Probably a similar thing with the Dodgers-Angels, maybe even Dodgers-Angels-Padres for the teams coming from Texas. You know, all of these things that they're trying to figure out, and now we got to go book hotels. Uh, now we got to go figure out the flight situation and all that kind of stuff. This is without even touching the health stuff, which, of course, is right. far more complicated th- than all of this. To be able to get this thing figured out is remarkable. And look, there are people, and that's, this is what their jobs are, and they'll do a wonderful job with it, I'm sure, and they will figure it out. But like you said, man, that is a huge, huge mountain to climb. This is not as simple as saying, all right, we'll play 82 games and everybody gets the DH. Like There's just a remarkable amount of nonsense, and I use that loosely, I guess, uh, Brady, to try and figure out here that, that even those of us who work in the game, I don't think have any sense of just how crazy it is. 
it's baffling to think how these guys do it for a 162 season. I mean, I know that there's precedent. They've been doing it. They can figure it out. But the amount of logistics that goes into that, it's just it's so next level. I, I can barely wrap my head around it. So now to think that they have to throw all that away and then try to do it again for half the amount. And like you said, with the travels and the league separations, uh, it, the divisional separations, it's absolutely bananas. So to both of your points, yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't know how they're going to do it. And um, and I think one of the points we had brought up earlier was that, you know, is it um, is it MLB getting too ahead of themselves, putting this kind of stuff out there as, you know, especially early on in COVID, um, you know, was it uh, insensitive or bad timing on their part or, or, or uh, bad form, I guess. And I think that because the, what you just mentioned and the logistics that go into it, if there is a chance of it happening, they have to have all this stuff figured out. And they probably had it for a potential 100-game season. And now, okay, that's out the window. Now let's go to a potential 81 season. So I, doing this exercise multiple times, I mean, it just makes my brain hurt even thinking about it. No, you're, you're exactly right. They, you know, In order to pull this thing off in July, they needed to start talking about it probably in March. Um, and and you know, when that gets out in the public, like you said, maybe some people said, ah, that's a little yucky that we're hearing about this. But they had no choice if they wanted to try and do anything. Uh, good question schedule-wise here that came in from uh, Matt's Music Mix. And uh, he wants to know if this season's interleague opponents would roll over to next season. My guess would be not. Um, Padres in 2020, had things been normal, we're supposed to play the American League Central. We would have gone to Detroit. Uh, we would have gone to Kansas City. Uh, we still would have gone to Seattle. That's a separate thing, obviously. Um, again, because the schedules are made so far in advance, my guess, and honestly, Matt, I have no idea. It's, it's an educated guess, would be that we'll stay on rotation. And so basically we just miss a year against the Central. Um, because they've probably figured out much of the schedule already for 2021. Um, so if things were to go back to normal for 2021, I think we'd probably play the AL West, um, which I think is who we would be on schedule to play normally. Um, kind of an interesting thing. If you're, if you're like a diehard, uh, I don't know who was coming here. White Sox. Yeah. If you're a diehard White Sox fan Mm -hmm. in San Diego, you know, you, you get the short end of the straw right there. But outside of that, you know, kind of is what it is. Mud, does that make sense to you? Or you, you think it could be a No, I think uh, you're right on uh, target there, Jesse, just because of the fact that you said with the schedules being made so far in advance, I mean, that's just another undertaking that would be just a a massive headache. So, you know, we'll get our share of baseball. And it's like you said, it's just a big league hang with them. What I like to say, you don't, you don't get to see your white Sox here. Well, you know what? Um, You'll be able to see the white Sox uh, against other teams um, during the year and uh, just have to wait for the AL central to come back around. And what is it like every three, four years? Three years, yeah. You go west, central, east, west, central, east, west, central, east. But there's no rhyme or reason into who goes where. It's not like a a true rotation. That was, I mean, not to make this about me, but like I was going to knock off two of my final three ballparks this year uh, with with Kansas City and Detroit. Um, But now you don't have to wait another few years for that, which is fine. And what's the other one, Jess? It's laughable, but it's I know it's laughable. That's why I'm throwing you under the bus right now. Let's hear it. Anaheim. Yeah. He's never been to Anaheim. He's never been to Anaheim. Right. I have passed it. I've taken a train past it. I've gone to Disneyland, but I haven't gotten to a game at Angel. Is that not hilarious? See, Brady, yeah. that's that's the argument we've had many times also, where I feel this realignment has to be blown up and it has to be geographical. Don made the point many, many times, as Jesse has. We've passed Anaheim Stadium six times during the season, and we only play it <laughs> once every six years. Right. No, and it's brutal just, because yeah. of who is on their team. It's like who doesn't want to watch Trout play as yeah. often as possible. Sure. Yeah. The guy's amazing. And apparently we found the one guy who doesn't care to watch him and his Jesse Ackler. <laughs> no, it's not. It's uh, it's not a shot at Mike Trout. It's just the way the schedule has uh, fallen 
It's uh, a shot at Otani, isn't it? You yeah. hate Otani? No, no, no. I'm not mad at Otani. Uh, <laughs> but I, I would love to see the Angels. And, and Mud, as you said, I, I think we're a lot of us in baseball are in agreement that at some point, or at least this was the idea before everything got flipped upside down mm-hmm. now, you know, MLB was on its way to expanding to 32 teams. Um, and when they do, I, I think a lot of people will be surprised if there wasn't radical geographic alignment, um, you know, money saving just makes more sense from a TV standpoint, travel standpoint, all that. Um, so yeah, that would, uh, that would be something I'd expect eventually. Although who knows all plans, you know, obviously have been, uh, flipped around because of, of the current state of the world. Montreal, Vegas, baby, bring them in expansion. There you go. I like I go Montreal and Portland for me. I think we got to hook the Mariners up. Oh yeah, good point. Closer now, for the M's. It's the Expos that you want to bring back specifically, or a new team name? You would have to use Expos, right? Yeah, you've got to, right? I would think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah, I say bring back yeah Expos. Those it's sweet a, it's, unis, come on. Yeah, they have oh, a great yeah. brand recognition uh, locally, nationally, internationally. I think you'd be crazy to to do something else. Oh, there it is. Some beauty shots of Montreal. Wow. Well, yeah, man, you do a retractable roof downtown, 32,000 seats. I mean, the big that's what you want to avoid. Wow. <laughs> that is something else. Le Stade d'Olympique. Yeah, pretty impressive. We weren't even planning on talking about Montreal, and here we are with all these scenic shots. Cole doesn't mess around back. Good at production the... value there from Cole. Nice yeah. work. Yeah, mission control. There you go. <laughs> There's a ball. Never been to Montreal. I would love to check that out. Uh, speaking of international baseball, guess what time it is? Nice. Oh, uh, it's time for our uh, now horribly named KBO Sadness Report. Uh, <laughs> because I think ever since we've started calling it this, uh, our team, the KT Wiz, has not lost a game. They were sweeps in the midst- on sweeps on sweeps. Yeah, exactly. They're in the midst of a brutal four-game losing streak. Uh, but now the Wiz are red hot. And tonight's KBO Sadness Report, we are happy to point out another day, another win, an 8-1 victory over Hanwha last night for our Wiz. And uh, the, the great thing about it was there was no drama. Uh, the night before, they had a 13-1 to lead going to the seventh inning, and they won the game 13-11. to uh, The bullpen has had its issues this year. Didn't cost them uh, in the first game of the series. No issues last night as uh, they just rolled, jumped out to a five-run lead, and uh, kind of cruised from there. They have won five straight. They are now six and seven overall. So tonight, not only do they go for the sweep, over the Hanwha Eagles, uh, but if they do, they will get themselves to 500, which, Mud, I know you're wondering, kind of the key for the Wiz during this winning streak, uh, what it's been, and and clearly it's early offense. Uh, they have jumped all over these teams early on. I did the math. Um, during the winning streak, five last five games, I've got them outscoring the opposition 27-4 to four in the first mm. three innings of the game. They're putting up big numbers early on. That can just devastate the opposition. Oh, my goodness gracious. Out to an early start, good pitching right out of the get-go, and you pad that lead for your bullpen and throw strike. The main thing is when you get that lead in the middle of the game and you have to go to the bullpen, don't give any free passes. So the whiz bullpen really has to come through. And I feel that they, I feel like they're going to be a team that is uh, in the playoffs late in the season. You know, they started off slowly, and they got to the point where it's like, hey, what do we got to lose? Let's play some baseball. Have some fun. Almost at, you just at gave time. your keys to the game for tonight. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right? Score more runs than the other team. That's a that's a key. <laughs> that's the key every game. I I love I love watching these games. I love watching. I you know I've never you I, watch them. Well, I was gonna say full disclosure. I've never watched one from start to finish. But if I am in front of a TV, I, I will always flip to ESPN first and on my TV and the get up in the sixteen hundreds just see if there's anything live on by any chance. 
And uh, and anytime I see one of these games on, I want to watch. But I mean, since being on the show, Jesse has done an incredible job of keeping me up to speed on this entire league. It's been amazing. You know what I love about that that league, guys? I love the ballparks. I love the signage. I love the noise. I mean, the, the noisy. I mean, it's noisy as far as signs are concerned. I love that. Uh, when I was in Taiwan, kind of like the same type feeling. The ballparks are smaller and more intimate. Obviously, they, uh, I don't know what they hold, maybe 30,000, 35,000. You guys know? Yeah, it's around 30 for our, for yeah. The win. And it, yeah, and it's just it's more of a little intimate. I mean, look at that place. It, it seems like it'd be a great place to go, especially if it was packed. Uh, to have a lot of fun at a uh, at a ball game. Yeah, well, it has a little minor league feel to it, a little bit size wise. Uh, like the walking dugouts are like mini auditoriums. They got like st- uh, different seating. You've got the lower seats, and they got a row of seats, and then that's higher. And like you got three rows. Well, yeah, we don't have any uh, cheerleader footage this time, Jess. No, oh, uh, no cheerleader. Don't you worry about that. Uh, Chris wants to know if there's any American players who are playing at KBO right now. There are a large handful. It's kind of an interesting thing. You see Mel Rojas there. He had a three-hit game last night. Uh, his dad played for the Expos. Uh, he's Dominican, but has uh, you know ties, obviously, to the United States. Um, they have a rule where each team – wow, right on the chalk. Each team is allowed three foreign-born players. And in any given game, only two can be in the lineup at the same time. Um, so one of the uh, main reasons we chose the Wiz to follow was that one of their uh, foreign-born players is old friend Odrisimer Despagne. Uh, so when Despagne starts, usually Rojas is in there. He's one of their best players. There's OD. OD. Uh, they can't Love have OD. another foreign-born guy in the in the same game. It's kind of interesting, you know, the way they uh, they have those rules. Despagne, by the way, is going to end up being like close to the lead league in strikeouts. Uh, it's not a strikeout league at all. Uh, but Despagne has been getting a lot of swing and miss uh, here early on. Terry, good question. Uh, they are not really on. I haven't been able to find them on on Twitter. Um, apparently, Twitter generally is not big in South Korea, which I didn't realize. Instagram, though, is there. Uh, I follow on Instagram the KBO League account and also the Wiz account. Um, you know, kind of translate it roughly for you right on your screen, which is kind of cool. Uh, but, yeah, they're big on Instagram. And uh, we'll we'll have some more detailed South Korean baseball information for you uh, coming up a little bit. And Ahi, thank you. Suwon Park, 20,800, so even smaller. Wow. Did you guys happen to see on those highlights? I don't know if it was a middle infielder diving for a ball in this pants. I know you guys are both uniform junkies. You saw the elastic band under the cleats yes. that were holding the pants down. Is that is that becoming a common thing in, in Major League Baseball? I think that's illegal. In, in um, Remember it Barry Bonds did that? Yeah, Bonds did it. Pedro did it. I think Manny Ramirez did it. Um, and then they outlawed it. Yeah. There are still some guys who do it if you're eagle-eyed, um, but it's not as uh, prevalent as it once was. Yeah. I don't know the KBO rules. Yeah, Odrisman Despagne, the only guy in Major League Baseball that you can spell San Diego Padres with the letters in his name. That's right. That is exactly I remember this. I remember that this. Great, uh, and great. every time I think of OD, I think of him wandering aimlessly out in the uh, the forest Denver. And, oh, there's the, oh, I know what you're talking about, Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See yeah. the black, uh, yeah, underneath yeah. the cleats. Wow. Yeah. Cole, thanks, oh. Cole. Nice find, buddy. Now, there's no way Cole's going to be able to find Despagne wandering through the forest in, in court, I don't think. <laughs> hey, they had to call time. The umpire goes, time. Yeah. Everyone's like, what's going on? What's going on? You start pointing out towards center field. And there's OD, just his hat's tilted, just kind of taking in the scenery right out <laughs> in the batter's eye. 
<laughs> among the uh, the evergreen trees. Wait, I found a, didn't Fernando Rodney do that once too? Yeah, so Rodney did it first. Rodney actually, as I recall, set up a chair. He had like a beach chair, a lawn chair out in the forest. And that was before he came to the Padres. And when Rodney came to the Padres, I when I was introducing him myself to him in the clubhouse one day, I said, hey, what was the deal at Coors? Because I think it was pretty soon thereafter that it had happened. And I was like, what's the story? Like, what were you doing out there? And he's like, it was hot. <laughs> he wanted some shade from the trees. <laughs> he was like, it was like a stupid question. He's like, it was hot in the bullpen. There's trees out there. I got some shade. <laughs> so Both those guys were great, too. Fun to be around. Fun loving guys. Oh, man. Got a lot of reasons to love Fernando Rodney. One, like you said, being around him, he, yeah. he pitched his tail off. And then, of course, a yeah. uh, pretty decent trade that worked out in terms of uh, Chris Paddock coming back for Fernando Rodney from Miami. And then don't and forget they both, about his, they both wore their hat like that. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. don't forget about his rooster sound too. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Brady, have you ever heard that? No, I've oh, heard no. about it. I have not heard it. It's incredible. You you think there'd be a, there's a rooster in the room. <laughs> really? It's crazy. So Wait. you've got OD with a parrot on his shoulder <laughs> and then Rodney actually making the rooster sounds. That would be a quite a combo at the same time. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the uh, the account for the Wiz on Instagram, ktwiz.pr, if you want to go follow. Everybody follow, ktwiz.pr. Uh, we're, we're working to try and uh, establish a formal relationship with the club. They have, uh, so far, it's been an unrequited thing. But They've, we're been, working. Bi- they've been big league in the Padres? No, just oh. me. Oh. <laughs> just, just <laughs> like, who's this idiot? Why does he keep tweeting about us? And what's going funny. on? Uh, but anyway, so that's the uh, KBO sadness report. But of course, it's really more the gladness report. As people pointed out, you know who has a sadness report though? SK Wyverns, uh, because they have now lost ten Ooh. games in a row in the KBO. Mud, what is a clubhouse like during a ten-game losing streak? Well, when you come to the clubhouse, uh, you try not to blame other guys. You, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, "Hey, you know, it, it starts with me. You got to start doing something." They got to get out to some early leads, and their pitchers got to start throwing strikes early. I'll tell you what, they got to get early action. They got to have their defense playing for them behind them so they can win some games. But, it, game. but it's no fun because this honestly happens. When you're in a streak like that and you're on the bench, the moment the game starts, it, it, it's almost it's bad to where you start thinking in your mind, okay, how are we going to lose today? What's going to happen? First mm-hmm. inning, your guy boots a ball. Oh, what's next in your mind? Oh, here we go. And then next thing you know, the floodgates open up. You're down two nothing. Next thing you know, it's the fifth. You're down seven two, and it's just like I don't want to say you pack it in, but you lose that. Uh, you lose that kind of like that edge. Yeah. To, to where if you're you're playing well and it's always close games to you know come through with that big hit. So it's no fun. I'll tell you that no fun yeah. at all. All right. So SK Wyverns has lost ten in a row. Other uh, notes from KBO. We got some fun stuff here. It was amazing yesterday on the show uh, with Scanlon and Casabell. We were talking about triple plays. And I think we all agreed that outside of the unassisted triple play, our favorite was the around the horn, uh, the five, four, three triple play, because the sort of the drama builds and you're waiting, you know, like, oh, is the guy going to beat it out? That kind of thing. And wouldn't you know, last night, the Kia Tigers pulled an around the horn triple play for their manager, Matt Williams. Right on you. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. How slow is this dude at the plate? I mean, he's out by a full stride. Yeah, that's yeah. That wasn't close. That's that must be uh, not his strong suit uh, running the bases. You need 
you need a couple things here. You need a slow guy. You need yeah. a hard hit ball right at the third baseman. And you need a great turn up the middle. And, and it was definitely that perfect storm. Yeah, you look at that guy hitting the ball. You know, he's a big kid. Um, yeah. Yep, and nobody likes that one better than uh, the old third sacker himself, Matt Williams, to appreciate that play right there. Hey, you know what? I, now that I'm getting different angles, nice play by the second baseman. This yeah. was not an easy feed. Did he have to pick that? No, he just went down and got it. So credit yeah. the second baseman. That was the toughest part of that play, I think, from the second sacker. Unbelievable, by the way. We're talking about triple plays last night, and, oh, the 5-4-3 is so great. And then, like, hours later, the Kia mm. Tigers answer the call. What did you guys discuss? Oh, well, now you're just bringing up uh, – you want to talk <laughs> okay. about no-hitters next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> only worked for the Padres. I want to know if each of the Korean teams has thrown a no-hitter in their history. Oh, don't do that to us. You want to you want to throw them in the loop anytime you guys talk about it on the broadcast, just to be like, hey, hey we're not the only ones, all right? If I had to guess, every one of them except the Wiz. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I mean, you might be onto something though, Jess. Maybe maybe the first Padres. You know, whenever we get back on the field, maybe the first losing streak, first time you lose two games, you make a Padres sadness report, and then boom, you turn it around and it's sweep city all the way forward. I like so it. you don't you never lose again. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I really, honestly, truly have been enjoying following the KBO. I'm not watching a lot live, but I am going back in the morning, you know, pulling up streams and highlights and YouTube, that kind of stuff, and checking it out. And uh, one of the teams, the, the Doosan Bears, uh, was one of the more historic teams. Uh, they're in Seoul, uh, the capital of the country, of course, apparently, reportedly, are on the market. So, guys, I don't know how many nickels we need to rub together here, but I, I think KBO owner – has a nice little ring to it, in addition to Padre Broadcaster. Um, so uh, it looks like apparently the estimated value of the franchise, about $200 million. Um, you know, A-Rod uh, shut down his pursuit of owning the Mets. Um, you know, Mud, uh, we know a lot of people, man. I feel like, uh, how would we do as owners, Mudcat? I'd be a player's owner, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, yeah. I'm starting, I'm starting the fund right now. <laughs> I got. I, got uh, I don't have any cash on me, but I've you got know what? a Billy Rifkin '89 <laughs> Flair. So well, I think we know what that card is. Careful now. Yeah, I know. I was yeah, going to say. I better. The I better the there. Hold on. There we go. Now there I can show go. it. There we go. Uh, you know that's what? In my all, contribution to the team. In all honesty, um, I don't know if I would have the patience or the uh, brain power to be an owner of a team. <laughs> the brain power. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta be a thinking man. You gotta know what's going on, and you gotta you know finances, and you know what's doing with what. You gotta Could trust. You be my people. scouting director. I would be. Could you be? I'm asking. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't have the uh, third base coach. No, I'd mess up the signs. <laughs> I literally. I keep it coming. Seriously. You, I'm being honest. Proof. I couldn't grounds be a coach. Proof. I couldn't be a coach. I don't have the. Um, You're a great clubhouse guy. But I don't have the see. I can't even think of the word I'm thinking of for the love of see. It's yeah. You got the. You don't have the patience. Patience. Cheerleader. Coaches are there. You can be a cheerleader. Coaches are there early. They're the first ones there. The last ones to leave. And I just don't have the uh, the mind for that. I know. Uh, That's why I have all the respect in the world. You guys would just be duking it out over who was going to be the broadcaster. Hmm. So. No, no. I I want to keep my Padre job. And then also own the Doosan Bears. Okay. Okay. That would well, kind of be my thought. And I want to trade what, for Kanye. What, what 
what is the coach's equivalent of like a clubhouse guy as far as the the player like what what coach what staff on a on a major league baseball team has the best opportunity to be like the player's favorite bullpen coach maybe okay uh, i'm thinking through the course of my career co- i mean cuz i was i was friends with all the coaches um well yeah i mean not everyone's as like was are. a very dear friend of mine we actually we actually would hang out after games and talk about baseball and pitching and especially if it was a game that I um, mud the mascot. Yeah. Can you see that? Yeah. We see it. Every I, I, wouldn't day. Ha- I wouldn't have to put on one of those fake heads. I just use my own big, big head. <laughs> um, but I, I would say, uh, you know, bullpen coaches. Um, but you know what though? A lot of coaches are, are friendly and become friends with the players quite a bit. So um, it's, it's kind of a hodgepodge, I guess you could say. Fair enough. That's, That's fair. Uh, Nikki, by the way, uh, reports, uh, there have been 14 regular season no-hitters in KBO history. Uh, one postseason no-hitter. There has never been a perfect game in the KBO. Mm, and how many years have they been around? Uh, a while now. I mean, the Wiz are new, but the league goes back at least to the early 80s, I know. And maybe further. I'll, I'll Google in a moment. Yeah. 1981, says Nikki. Yeah. yeah so I think uh, he's going to obviously throw the first perfect game this year. I thought he had a chance at the no-hitter for the Padres. Uh, it was a Sunday game. I was working with Sweeney on TV, Mud, so you must have been off. And uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. And I remember also on Military Sunday, the woman who threw out the first pitch, she was like 103 years old or something like that. It was oh, incredible. with the, the walker in the underhand. And she yeah, got her own tops card. Yeah. Is uh, in my head the name. And uh, so she was great. It was just kind of this neat day. And, uh, yeah, Despani took it against the Mets. Against the Mets. That's why when we get into the discussion about no hitters, everybody who toes the slab that day has no hit stuff. Think of the guys throughout our generations who have not thrown a no hitter. Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, Greg Maddox. Never threw a no hitter. Bud Smith for the Cardinals, no hitter. Yeah. It's a great play. <laughs> Bud, baseball right? legend. So it, you don't have to have no hit stuff to throw a no hitter in this game of baseball. It could be anybody. That's the beauty of it. Any given Sunday. That's officially the wrap on the uh, KBO stuff for today. Uh, back to MLB. Um, one of the teams and, and fan bases I've thought a lot about in the last couple of weeks and now months, I guess, the Washington Nationals. Uh, you're the defending World Series champion. You didn't have that home opener where you get to raise the flag. You haven't had the ring ceremony. You haven't had that attendance boost. You haven't had that excitement and energy around the club as they come back to defend their title. And they brought almost everybody back. Um, but they are going to do a virtual ring presentation coming up on uh, Sunday evening. It'll air on their local television network, on MLB Network, and online. Um, I-, I think this is probably the right thing to do because, like, all right, let's get these guys their rings, let them enjoy it. Um, but, but Mud, this probably, if you put some truth serum into these guys, some of them at least, it, it would have to feel like a little bit of a letdown at least, right? It's a big letdown. And once again, it, inv- it involves the fans. Uh, here they are. Um- clinching it in Houston. Um, when you think a player, this is what you want to accomplish as a ball club. You, you raise the trophy in October. And then the one thing, first of all, the one thing you look forward to is when you get that email or something, Hey, what's your ring size? Then they mm-hmm. start making the rings. Okay. Now it's time spring training. Hey guys, can't wait for opening day. A big part of it is you're all together. And secondly, but most importantly, I think because of the fans, all the fans at that home game, when they're each given that box that has their ring in them, that is so huge. It's going to be a letdown, but you know, good for the Nationals. 
that they're doing this. It'll enable uh, more people to to witness this via you know watching it on, on their computer or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's a, I think it's a, it is a, definitely a letdown. I think it's so cool for uh, these guys that you know the the year that they want. I mean, going up against the Astros, we now know about this Astros team and kind of what you know they were up against. Um, it is pretty amazing what they were able to do, and to do it the year after you get rid of a was it the year after uh, Bryce Harper went to yeah. Philly? Mm-hmm. I mean, to to get rid of a franchise type player uh, like that and then to come out on top, it's just incredible and. So I, I certainly hope that this, you know, virtual ring ceremony doesn't take away from kind of the greatness of what this team did. Like, I love seeing stories like this. And, you know, I can't wait to see uh, the Padres and Brown holding up that trophy. It's going to be pretty special. That's Maybe it'll it, be in the shortened yeah. season. Who needs Bryce Harper when you've got Gerardo Parra doing Baby Shark, I guess, was the lesson learned last year uh, for the Washington Nationals. So a virtual ring ceremony, another first of uh, what's going on in this uh, this new uh, world that we live in. Uh, people have had a good time with it, though. We've seen some very creative things. Uh, staying in Washington, I think. Uh, oh, no, Pittsburgh is uh, and then Washington. Sorry. Eh, we got Washington. Way to go, Cole. Uh, check out uh, these different T-shirts that are coming out there. Uh, Washington Wizards, the basketball team. You see the hands are washing uh, <laughs> at the top of the logo. That's uh, very clever. Uh, Pittsburgh, I saw this one from the Pirates and for a good cause. Uh, modified Jolly Ro- Roger logo oh. a T-shirt uh, with uh, benefiting pirate charities and local COVID-19 relief efforts, you see, instead of wearing the bandana on his head, uh, the pirate has it around his nose and his mouth, which is very good. And then we saw this one uh, going around uh, very early on in the thing, uh, (laughs) social distancing with the Padre logo, which it works perfectly. Uh, It's very, uh, very cute and very clever. All right. In a little bit, we'll catch up with our buddy Mike Farron of Sirius XM. Uh, Before that, though, a great chance earlier today to catch up uh, with Padre Ty France, the uh, Aztec for life. And I had a opportunity to discuss playing for Tony Gwynn, uh, what the major league debut meant for him, his great year in the minors last year, and what he's looking forward to doing here in 2020. Ty, great to see you. Glad to hear family and friends, everybody safe and healthy so far, that kind of thing. Uh, Nice to have you here in San Diego as well. How are things going for Ty France these days? It's it's going well. Um, as good as as good as can be right now. You know, every day seems very routine and the same. But you know, just getting through it and uh, just trying my best to stay stay productive. I think we've asked this question mostly to pitchers, you know, in terms of how much baseball they're doing right now. Obviously, it's a different animal for those guys just trying to keep the arms at you know whatever level they need to be keeping them at. Position player wise, what's your sense of of what guys are doing, what they're able to do, what they should be doing, and and what have you been doing? Um, I mean, more or less, I've been able to stay, you know, on top of everything. The only thing I really haven't done that much of, uh, since spring has ended is, you know, seeing live arms. But, uh, other than that, I've been able to stay, stay in, you know, pretty good playing shape. Um, you know, every player is different, you know, what you need to do to get ready for a season. That's the hard part right now. We just don't know when the season is. So, um, you know, in the beginning of all this, we treated it as more, has like an off season like routine and stuff. And, um, you know, the longer this has gone on, the closer we feel like we're getting to playing, uh, guys have ramped it up and, um, you know, we're, we're pretty close right now. Yeah. That's the feeling that everybody's getting. That's a positive thing. Certainly. Let's go back to last year though. Uh, your time with the Padres in the big leagues, kind of get your feet wet a little bit, put up tremendous numbers also in the minors, but what was the, the experience of 2019 like for you? Yeah. The whole, the whole experience, minor leagues and big leagues was unbelievable. Um, you know, 
I could even say it was a dream come true, um, being my first time up in the big leagues. Um, and then when I was in the minor leagues, being able to put up those numbers and have the year I had was it, it made going to the field fun and, um, you know, show up to the field with that confidence. And um, it definitely carried over for me personally when I did go up to the big leagues. And, um, you know, all, all I can say was really a dream come true. Southern California guy, you play and recruited by Tony Gwynn at San Diego State, and you get to make your big league debut for the San Diego Padres. That's that's a heck of a trifecta, man. Not a lot of people get to do that so close to home and, and not so close to their college campus. Yeah, no, definitely made it a lot more special, um, you know, going there for the three years that I was there, being able to play for him and, um, you know, just wishing we would have been able to be there to see the first game. But, um, you know, I know he was watching, watching over me. As for this year, spring training, as we alluded to, was underway. Uh, you were doing your thing. How how was it going for you? How were you feeling? Obviously, it's all abbreviated and it got cut short unexpectedly and the frustrations that go along with that. But but how were you feeling in whatever groove you were able to get into before it got shut down? Yeah, overall for me, I, I feel like spring was going well. Um, this spring, I kind of had a different idea and a more clear idea about like what my role and job was going to be. And um, compared to last year, you know, we were I think two weeks in before we signed Manny. So um, this year I definitely knew like what my role was going to be in uh, mid spring a lot, a lot easier. The mindset um, going in um, knowing what I had to work on and what I had to accomplish to be ready for season. Um, you know, it was definitely a lot easier this year. And uh, I felt like I was ready to go. You know, it, it was a bummer that, uh, you know, all this happened, but um, you know, we're just kind of going with there right now. That's all you can do. Uh, Ty, one of the little stories that was kind of like popping around Peoria as tends to happen that time of year was uh, you spending a little bit of time behind the plate. How seriously was the catching going? It certainly didn't look like any kind of joke to me when I was able to catch a, a peak of it. Take us a little bit uh, inside what was going on there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it happens every year. Um, you know, I, I've the last three or four spring trains, they've mentioned to me, you know, Hey, you know, you're going to do some catching work. Um, never really, like took off with it. Um, I think maybe three years ago, I went to instructs to do it. Um, you know, and, and nothing ever came from it, but I felt like this year, um, you know, it was a lot more serious. Uh, I think it was two days before we got shut down. Uh, uh, Jason come up to me and he was like, Hey, you know, we're going to ramp up your catching a little more. Um, we're going to throw you into backfield games and maybe, you know, if, if the situation approaches and, you know, it's right, uh, we'll put you in like the, you know, the big league game and, uh, see how it goes. So that was probably the most serious it's been. Um, and he told me, you know, it wasn't a position change. It was just another tool to add to the belt and um, just kind of an emergency catcher situation. So it wasn't, you know, anything crazy. It was just to see if I can do it and if I could go back there and hold my own. And um, I felt like we were pretty close to playing in games and stuff with it. Do you, do you enjoy being back there? I do. I do. You know, it's something different. Uh, I, I'm lucky enough to, be considered a utility guy, play second, third, first, dabbled in the outfield, pitched. And so to be able to catch, you know, that would, that would be a lot of fun. Man, you have 400 to AAA. What doesn't he do? It's unbelievable. Uh, Ty France, always great to catch up with you. Certainly can't end the conversation without me bringing up uh, getting hit by a pitch. It's one of those things uh, that, that seems to happen regularly for you. I say there's a skill to it. Different people have different opinions, of course. Uh, the big numbers at San Diego State, it's continued now throughout your professional career. What's your philosophy? On, on, on that. And, and when people bring it up, what, what do you think? I, I really don't know why I get hit a lot. I think I just don't get out of the way. Like a lot of guys you'll see jump, jump out of the way. And for me, 
uh, I don't walk a lot. So when I get that opportunity to let it hit me, I just let it hit me. Um, it's not like I intentionally do it. Uh, I think it started back in college. We were kind of praised for getting hit by pitches. You know, you were considered you know tough and like it was a cool thing to do was get hit by a pitch. And so it kind of just carried over into pro ball. And I think I have over a hundred career hit by pitches. So that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's not something I do on purpose. It's just, I don't get out of the way. It's a black and blue badge of honor uh, for Ty France. Uh, awesome, man. Really great to catch up with you. Uh, hope to be able to do so in person at six feet away, of course, uh, sometime soon in a, in a game situation. Uh, thanks for taking a few minutes for us. And, and again, glad everybody's doing well in your life. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for having me. That is a Padre Super Utility Man, Ty France, the reigning Pacific Coast League MVP and Rookie of the Year. Uh, you might have heard me say he hit 400 at AAA last year. I was exaggerating only a little bit. He hit 399 in 76 games, 27 homers, 27 doubles. Uh, it was outstanding. Thanks again to Ty France uh, for checking in earlier today. Bring back uh, Mudcat and Brady. Uh, really cool Ty France note that sort of was uh, floated out this winter. Good little piece of trivia, I guess. Uh, the, the Patrick Mahomes uh, Jr., the quarterback for the Chiefs, the Super Bowl winning uh, quarterback this past year played baseball as a lot of people know i think at texas tech where he was of course also quarterback of the football team patrick mahomes final collegiate at bat was a ground out to ty france of san diego state that's how patrick mahomes college baseball career came to an end Mudcat. that's a uh, nice little nugget is there anything yeah. on ty france Let's see how can i equate football the last thing did ty france ever play football uh not in college i don't know about growing no, up really possible he's got that build that's a uh, that's that's quite a story, and I love uh, Ty France. You know, growing up and then uh, playing for Tony Gwynn at San Diego State, and then playing for the Padres. I mean, my goodness gracious, how many people can say that? And uh, Ty France is one of them. He's a he's a good egg. Yeah, it's really cool. It would have been nice if we could have said that about Strasburg too. <laughs> uh-huh. Had a couple of chances, unfortunately. Uh, had a couple of chances. Didn't end up happening. So right. did he just out himself in that? Uh, you guys would certainly know this much better than I would, but. What you know, you know, as as fans, you always hear like, oh, well, you know, if you don't if you don't make an effort to get out of the way, then it's not really a hit by pitch. Like, what is the actual rule on getting drilled and not moving? Is it just you got to pretend to look like you're getting out of the way? Um, Do you guys know the actual letter of the law there? Jesse, I think it's what uh, what I think it's what uh, you just said, Brady. I think the the hitter has to make an attempt to get out of the way. And it's a judgment call. It's an umpire's yeah. judgment call, right? He's from an umpire, and I just saw that interview. I'm like, well, I'm never giving Ty France a free pass. He just told yeah. me he didn't get out of the way. I, I think here's here's the way I think it's normally adjudicated as opposed to the letter of the law because uh, in baseball, the letter of the law often does not seem like it's that relevant. Um, it's one of those where, for me at least, I'm fine with it if like the guy isn't diving out over the plate or something like that. Like if you're in the box and they come up and in, I don't feel like he has to bail out and get out of the way. Like you're in my territory at that point mm-hmm. as the hitter. So if you're going to take it up here or whatever, like that's fine. The ones that kind of get me a little bit hot under the collar as an announcer is like, you know, the guy sticking the elbow out or turning his back where he's basically over home plate. Like if it was going to be a called strike, you probably shouldn't be able to be hit by a pitch. And, and, and that's generally, I think the way the umpires do it, but it's one of those rules. Mud, if we see it, once every three seasons yeah. called. I mean, that feels like a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when that comes to, to mind, if you're a baseball historian, I know I'm dating myself here, but um, uh, Don Drysdale's scoreless uh, inning streak record was intact because. Um, yeah, they, they called it. 
yeah, they called it. Uh, bases were loaded. Drysdale oh, hit, hit, hit the hitter, and it would have drawn in a run, resulted in a run, and breaking the scoreless inning streak. And Harry Wendelstead was the home plate umpire. He said, no, 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 no. You did not make an attempt. Get back here. And he eventually got him out. Uh, got oh, out no way. Yeah. 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 I, and it's funny, just emotionally watching, I'm sure for you guys calling the game and us idiots at home, you know, like when, when, when you see the body armor, you know, like when yeah. Bonds has got the, and they kind of, you know, don't get away early. And it's just like, come on, you know, you get so frustrated that, you know, that's not fair and blah, blah, blah. But if there's no armor, then it, you know, okay. Like he even said it, you know, I mean, you're, you're taking a hundred mile an hour heat up there. Does it really make you more of a man for standing up or does it make you kind of a dummy for standing up and getting in there? Like, what are you doing? Don't, don't put yourself in harm's way. What's more important, you getting drilled by a hundred or getting a bag. And, you know, maybe that's kind of the argument because if it hits you in the wrong spot, I mean, they could do a lot of damage. That, that ball's a weapon coming in there. It's pretty, pretty scary. So Ty France, man, that guy's, uh, he's something else getting drilled all the time like that. That's, that's why I refer to it as like the art of getting hit by a pitch. And, and I really believe it is one. You know, Biggio was a guy, you know, his whole career, he was very good at it. Because like you said, you take it the wrong place, you know, it can be devastating from a physical yeah. standpoint. But there, there are guys who have a knack for it, seem to know just the right way to get hit by a pitch. Uh, you're playing with fire a little bit, but I don't yeah, know. Pretty cool. That guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. Great. All Tim, right. Tim Flair was good at doing that. Yes, that's another really good example. Uh, a contemporary of his, by the way, Kurt Bavacqua. Uh, this is one of the great moments, of course, uh, in Padre history. And not only that, it is uh, today. It is our uh, Padre's memorable Jack. So let's go back in the time machine to October of 1984. Ah, where is it? <laughs> there it is. Oh, doctor. Padres memorable Jack uh, presented by Jack of the Box. Jack of the Box is open and ready to serve you all of your favorites at the drive-thru on the mobile app and with delivery. One lucky fan who checks in on social media during the show tonight will win a Jack cash card. So let us know you're watching our Padres memorable Jack presented by Jack of the Box KB in the 1984 World Series. Boy, I got everything right. It's got the uniforms, it's got Vin Scully. Uh, it's just uh, that's as good as it gets. What a postseason for Kurt Bavacqua in 1984. Well, you know what they say, guys. You hangy, they will bangy. That was a hanging slider from Dan Petrie and Kurt Bavacqua, who usually couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, <laughs> hit that one out uh, of the ballpark. Thank you very I, much. I wonder if I uh, wonder if a limo picked him up for that game. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. If I knew Bavacqua <laughs> was going to be in that lineup, I'd send a limousine to his house to pick him up. <laughs> That's one of the greatest fans in the history of anything, not just baseball. Yeah, that's a, he, man, what a postseason he had. Talk about making a name for yourself. I mean, he he did something special. Good for him. Up over the old wall uh, at San Diego Stadium. KB, good stuff, man. A lot of great memories there. All right, uh, final guest of uh, tonight's show is our friend Mike Farron. Uh, he's on the Diamondbacks radio broadcast and also host of a show on Sirius XM MLB Network Radio. He is also just one of the like very best guys in our business. Mud and I had the great opportunity to catch up with him earlier today to get his take on everything going on in the world of baseball. 
right, Mike. Really appreciate this. Uh, Mud and I are excited to talk to you because you're one of those guys we talk to a lot during the season, and so this feels normal for us. You know, that's why we've been doing this show is to try and supply a little normalcy to the fans, uh, but it's selfish at times as well. And this is one of those times. Uh, let me start with this. What are you hearing about? I imagine what we're all hearing in terms of baseball 2020. Yeah, I mean, I think it probably things that are pretty similar. Um, you know, I think the Players Association and Major League teams are going over the initial proposal that uh, Major League Baseball made when it came to the health and wellness. I mean, I, I thought that the comments from Austin Hedges in the San Diego Union-Tribune, uh, what was it, late Monday night, were were pretty instructive in terms of how excited the players were about the fact that the protocol was pretty was taken pretty seriously and that they were going to have their questions answered and their suggestions taken into account. Teams are weighing in on this as well. And there are still some unanswered questions, but I felt like in, in just, and I haven't seen the actual document, but um, in just reading enough about it, they may not have turned over every stone, but they turned over a lot of them in trying to come up with, with answers for possible scenarios and for at least creating a protocol that um, it keeps players and personnel as safe as possible, knowing that it's never going to be 100% safe. And so I think that that's, I think that's encouraging the money stuff. That's, you know, we've got, we're, we should be so used to saber rattling and negotiation. And I've, I've used this example and Mud, you'll appreciate this as a bears fan. When I covered growing up a bears fan, when I covered the bears, Cedric Benson was the first round pick and he was holding out and he finally, Finally signs and Masin Muhammad was in the locker room and somebody asked him about the contract hold on and he goes well successful negotiation nobody's happy in the end so I think that's exactly where we're heading when it comes to the money stuff but we'll, I, I am very confident that by the first we'll probably have a, a better clear of when spring training Mach 2 starts yeah spring training part 2 uh, the thing that maybe is most fascinating to me uh, all of it put together from a baseball standpoint, an on-field standpoint, is the potential volatility of a shortened season. You know, if we're playing 81, 82 games, it kind of feels to me like all bets could be off. Uh, do you like that assessment? Yeah, I do. In fact, I, you know, one of my favorite hockey seasons was, I think it was 93, 94 was the year that they had, or 94, 95 that they had a strike and they ended up only playing about 50 games. And that kind of sprint aspect of it is really exciting. And you're right. It's completely different, Jesse. I mean, it's going to be, every game is going to matter twice as much as it does during the course uh, of a normal season. And it leads to more weird stuff happening. You know, when, when we first went into the Lockdown. Dan Saborski at Fangraphs, who who runs one of their projection systems, did did a Zips projection on what the season could look like if we're only playing eighty some odd games, like a half season. And in it, I think the most fascinating part: the favorites were still the favorites, right? But teams like the Marlins had a ten percent chance of making the playoffs. I don't think any of us in this in this conversation would pick the Marlins to go to the playoffs in anything, but that shows you how much different a half season will be. So yeah, I think it's going to have added urgency, more of a sprint, more excitement because of that. And that should, I think at least to some degree, make up for some of the lack of energy that comes from playing without fans. You know, Mike, you bring up a good point. Cause I remember back in 1981, I remember the strike year mm -hmm. where they had two halves, right? And who was the team that had the best record overall, but they didn't make the playoffs. The two, the two best records didn't make the playoffs. It was the Reds and the Cardinals. Both had the Correct. best records that year, and neither of them made the postseason. Right. So with that said, let's hypothetically 81-82 game season. And it all boils down to a lot that you were just talking about because every team has to partake in this. Do the Diamondbacks have enough to beat the Dodgers and take the division? 
Well, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I listen, I mean, you guys know that the Dodgers are tough, man. Like they're deep and they are talented and um, they have they have uh, more talented players than just about anybody in the National League. So their high end talent is pretty good. But just it wasn't that long ago. It was what, 2018. When we get to the middle of the season and the Dodgers were right around 500, they weren't in first place. And if we're only going to play half a year, it does leave open the possibility of more weird stuff happening. I and mean, I think the Diamondbacks are a good team. I think it's a, and I realize that I, I view the world through Sedona red colored glasses, but um, I do think it's a good squad. I think that they have they are deep in the rotation. Uh, they're going to go you know seven deep. They're going to be able to to have enough guys to be able to get through this season with the starters that they have. I think the lineup is going to be more consistent than it was a year ago. I don't think it's a great offense, but I think it's pretty solid. I think it's fair to ask questions about the bullpen, but I think they have some pieces and in, in you know specifically with a couple of the veterans that they added in. in in Hector Rondon and, and Junior Guerra, who I think is really underrated. I think those are solid relievers ahead of Archie Bradley. So I think it's a team that absolutely can compete for one of the playoff spots. I think th- them, the Dodgers, and 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 the Padres are probably in the best position in that division to compete for the postseason. Question I've been kicking around to everybody we've had the chance to talk to involves what happens at the end of this. Let's say from a health standpoint and a business standpoint, you get a total best case scenario. You're able to play all 82 games. You're able to play an entire postseason. You have a best of seven World Series between two teams, one American League, one National League, presumably under everything that we've heard. Is that a tainted title? Is that something we're going to be throwing the asterisk on for the rest of time? Is it something we're going to be referencing uh, in the next 25, 30 years as well? Yeah, but that was 2020. I don't know. Do we do we do that with the 1981 World Series when they played two thirds of a schedule? You know, do we do it with that hockey? Everybody's going to deal with it, right? Right. I mean, the playoffs are going to be the same length or longer than the regular season or than they normally would. Right. If they end up going to seven playoff teams in each league. So. I mean, I, I think it's still a tournament and a tournament championship. I think it will be popular for some of the the loudest of mouth talk show hosts, myself included, to be able to do something like that where you don't actually have to prepare and you can just throw out a topic like that uh, in the hopes of, of, you know, irritating people. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't care how many games it is. I think it's really disrespectful to the players involved to say that it's tainted because they're competitors and they're out there competing and it's not their fault that the season is half as long as it is. It's this damn virus. I agree with you. My sense is, and maybe it's a little cynical, it is, um, it is that the national narrative about this will be a result of who wins. If the Dodgers win it or the Yankees win it, probably has a better chance to be treated normally than if some team who perhaps wasn't expected to be competitive in a postseason way comes out of the weird season, gets hot at the right time in October or November, whatever it ends up being, and does it. And, and like, that's my fear is that, like, you know, you, you could get some unfair treatment if you were a team that people said, well, they were only in the playoffs because it was the weird year. Well, I, but, I mean, can't, can't you say that, like, isn't Washington only in the yeah. playoffs because there were two, you know, there's two wild card teams? I mean, it's, I guess they won the, the, they had home field for the wild card game, but I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody will say that, but just because somebody says something doesn't mean we have to listen to them or, or amplify what they say, right? Like when you we, like we we don't have to take all, everybody's uh, un, unfounded advice and treat it as if it's it's legitimate. We can walk away from some of it and just go, "That's dumb." Mike, have you ever announced tennis because it's going to have like a tennis feel with no fans in the stand? Have you ever done a game with no fans? I, I'm not on radio I'm not, or TV. I mean, 
I mean, I did I did call games of the Eastern League, which is a little bit like uh, like that uh, from time to time. There were a couple of late uh, August, early September games in Bowie, Maryland, where it was maybe wasn't the best attended. Um, it's going to be different. Yeah, it'll feel different. I mean, it's I'm like I've done fall league games and in the Arizona fall league. You might draw 300 game, fans on some weekday games. Um, you have to generate the energy from somewhere. And I, I don't know, Mud. it's going to be you tell me when was the last time you pitched a game in front of no fans it had to have been on the complexes right well it was uh yes like a b game in the morning yeah. uh you know the intensity level you have to get yourself up for a b game when it's 10 o'clock and you're facing an a lineup because they want the big guys to get some ebs early in the morning but professionally as far as a real game in streetport louisiana we had very few fans i mean mm-hmm. it was a bad ballpark bad neighborhood it was so bad one day game during the week where the pa announcer actually came on and said excuse me sir but if I can have your attention, I'll give you today's starting lineups. <laughs> it was like nobody in the state. It was unbelievable. That's a true story. That's a true story. So that's no, what wait. it's going to be like. I want to know more about this because they made you play a day game in summer in Shreveport, Louisiana. And these guys were complaining about the all Arizona plan. Like you think Arizona's hot in the summer. Yeah, yeah. You ever been to Shreveport? <laughs> It was so muggy and hot, and I know you know how hot and muggy was it. They allowed us to keep a towel in back of the mound, so we could, as pitchers, we could towel off, and then just throw it behind the mound. That that was the agreement between the two teams and the umpires. They allowed us to do that. Oh my god, that's, that's wild! I, I want both you guys to weigh in on this, and then we'll let we'll let Mike go, and Mud and I get back to our, our happiness here. Um, <laughs> one of here to ruin it. Yeah. Uh, One of the theories coming out of Korea is that I guess early reports are maybe pitcher velocity is down a tick or two. And that could be because of a billion things, including just the way it's being reported and calculated, that kind of stuff. Uh, But there is like this rumor, this theory coming out of the KBO that the adrenaline levels for the pitchers are just not what they normally are because there are no fans in the stands. They're not getting that extra whatever. Uh, Do you buy into that? I'll start with the guy who is pitched professionally. Tried to pitch professionally. Oh, okay. I, I, I can see some validity to that, to that fact, um, because as I mentioned before, Jesse, you and I have talked about this, where it's like a uh, Broadway production where there's nobody in the house and you, you know, you're going through your lines. I don't think you're going to have the same intensity as if you have that full house and you have that electricity. Um, I, is it a couple ticks below? I mean, I think as a pitcher, yes, you feed off that, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's your home crowd and there's two strikes, it's a big situation. Yeah. When that situation comes up and there's no electricity in the state, the only electricity are the lights that are shining on the field. I think that can be pretty tough. That's where you find out who the guys who are really mentally tough uh, between the ears that come through successfully. But that's a great point. You know, I could see it it taking, and I'd be curious to get your take on this, a little bit of a roller coaster on it in like the first week or so because everybody's so hyped up to be back that it's there. And and then you worry about injuries because it's going to be a shorter, you know, second spring training. So you're hoping guys don't do it too fast. But there's a little bit of a spike. And then there's a drop-off for a while while guys try and find their level. And when you get to, you know, if we're going to play, let's say, 82 games, you get to about game 50, all of a sudden, all the games are going to matter that much more. And I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see it tick back up 
in terms of the velocity from there. Because I, I, I do think, and I've heard a lot of players say this, and Trevor May, the twins who I love, was talking about this at a roundtable. He's like, I don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be so weird without fans. Like, I don't know that we're going to be able to get up for it. I think these guys are such tenacious competitors that a chance, for the most part, a chance to compete is going to be the motivating factor behind it. And I think that they're going to be able to get up for it when it really matters the most. Whether there's fans or not, I, I think that there's yeah. going to be – it's still going to be a pretty high level of play. Yeah, and Jesse, get back to your point, pitching in B games in spring training, I got the intensity up. I mean, I was – I wanted to try to make a team and stuff like that. So the same intensity probably at 10 o'clock in the morning as opposed to 1 o'clock when the stadium was filled in, in Scottsdale. So Yeah, I, I think it could be a lot of variables, a lot of – what both you guys just pointed out. And then also, I mean, it will be different for like a Yankee Red Sox game as it is maybe for like a, not to pick on the Pirates and the Royals, but one of those games on like a Thursday afternoon in front of nobody late in the year when perhaps, you know, they're both kind of out of reach uh, in terms of the standings. But like you said, they're all the, the biggest competitors on the planet. So never underestimate that when it comes to professional athletes. That's a lesson we learned a, a long time ago. Michael, wonderful to see you. Uh, very much appreciate your time. And uh Glad you're doing okay there in AZ. Uh, put that fan on. It's got to be hot. The, the pleasure is all mine. Yeah, I didn't want to make uh, have Mud make fun of me, make it sound like the little kid with the beanie propeller on his head. <laughs> I'm sure that that's what he was going to do. So I had to turn the fan down for this. So I'm going to try to see your faces. Yeah, Love thanks you. so much for joining. It's always good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you guys, too. Be safe. Mike Farron of the Diamondbacks uh, Radio Broadcast and Sirius XM MLB Network Radio. And uh, like we said, one of uh, the best guys in our business. Interesting stuff as we bring back uh, Mud and uh, Brady. Oh, hello. Oh. Oh, hey. I, I only got Maggie May to join me because I was told that we were going to have a butter sighting. Maggie, hold on. Where's butter? Maggie, what's over here? What's over here? Where's butter? Oh, here he goes. He's going to grab butter. Oh, boy. I, what, do you, what could go wrong, Jess, with a couple of labs on a... Oh, look at that. Maggie May. Maggie May, look. Max, look. Maggie. Maggie, look. <laughs> she just wants to, wants to sleep on my shoulder. What are you going to do? Hey, Butter. Maggie, look. There's Butter. Maggie. Look, look at Butter. Look. Mine just got, Butter just <laughs> got out of the pool and it's all wet. Oh, man. Is this good TV or what? <laughs> uh, good times. That's fine. Uh, well, Maggie May looks like a good girl. She Porter is a good girl. She just wants to rest on my shoulder right now. She's oh, she's a sweet girl. I don't think she's as crazy as uh, as Butter is. How old is she, Brady? Uh, about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah, she's wow, still got she a lot is. of energy. Wow. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been having her uh, 75 pounds sitting on my lap that entire interview, so I'm I'm over this right now. That's fair. Uh, we'll throw up some questions while you uh, while you handle that situation real quick. Fire <laughs> before we get out of here today. Uh, Glenn's got a couple that I want to address, including uh, this one. First of all, pump the brakes. Uh, we don't know that anything is happening, period. Certainly not next week. Uh, if, 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 and we should probably say this more often, it just feels like we've said it a billion times, if they're able to work out the economics, if they're able to work out the health and safety, if they're able to get clearance from all the, the local municipalities and state governments and everything else, uh, then the plan, the idea would be uh, to start spring training probably mid-June. Um, so let's start with that. Nothing is done. Nothing is set. Nothing is inevitable. It's all a work in progress, and it's very much subject to change. As far as whether it would be Peoria or Petco, I don't know. I mean, I would doubt that they would be playing games against other teams um, during all of this for spring training. Uh, so my guess would be Petco, but I, you know that's another thing that has to be worked out. It, it might be one of those things also where it's 
different club by club based upon uh, what they have available at their facilities, what the current health situation is in their home cities, uh, that kind of stuff. So wait and see on all of that. Let's not put too many carts uh, in front of the horse here. Uh, Ahi had a question about the postseason. We were talking about it with Mike. Um, yeah, they're not going to combine the divisions. Um, that's at least not the plan that we've heard. The plan that we've heard is that, and again, could change. Again, might not happen. But the, the latest plan that seems to have some momentum is that the Padres would still be in the NL West, and they would play the NL West teams. They would also play the AL West teams. But I don't get the sense that they would be in one big division. Like they play the NL West teams two or three times more than they play the AL West teams. They're just trying to cut back on travel for a variety of reasons. Um, so I think at the end of the day, you'd still throw the NL teams into one hopper for their postseason and the AL teams into the other hopper for their playoffs. And you'd have a, a traditional AL versus NL World Series. Um, it would just sort of be expanded interleague play, I guess, in terms of uh, all of that kind of stuff. Um, empty stadiums, you're talking about that. Glenn comes back. He wants piped in noise. Um, you might get that on television. You certainly might. Um, but in person, from what I understand, and Cole, who sort of is our technical guy on this show, has said um, it probably doesn't work to do it like actually there for the players uh, because the sound will just bounce all over the empty stadium. There's nothing there to absorb it, and it will become like a big distraction, uh, that kind of thing. So it's not an effort issue. Um, it's just a matter of what actually makes sense from a, from a technical standpoint. I think those are the ones... Uh, that I wanted to uh, to get to right there. So before we go, guys, a couple of quick things. First, happy birthday, Boomer Wells. Mm. Uh, the big 5'7 today for the San Diego native, uh, Point Loma pointer. Um, one of the great uh, pieces of trivia, right, in, in baseball history, at least in terms of San Diego, uh, the first two guys uh, to throw perfect games for the Yankees went to the same high school out in Point Loma. That's a pretty remarkable thing, Don Larson and, and Boomer Wells. And uh, Brady Boomer shares your love of memorabilia, as we know. It's absolutely insane. I mean, he I think he literally has a, a jersey that Babe Ruth wore. I mean, the my my petty little collection behind me is nothing compared to uh, what Boomer's got going on. Some of the coolest memorabilia I have ever seen. He's recently on Twitter done like a three part uh, memorabilia series, which is really, really cool to watch. He is um, very, very jealous of the collection that that guy has um, like. Like he, like if, if he had this glove here behind me or these uh, boxing gloves, like he, those would actually be like, oh yeah, these were uh, the gloves that Muhammad Ali used to beat so-and-so. And I mean, they would actually be, you know, not just cool artifacts, but actual, you know, legitimate hundred thousand dollar pieces, you know, not so much back here. Uh, well, I'm going to break something out here. And this is something I've been holding for this show. This stapler Jesse Agler used in the press room at Petco Park, and I saw him use it, and, I, and he left the room, and I kind of snuck it. This did is you, like my most valuable piece of memorabilia. Did you get Jesse an autograph or stapler? No, because it'll devalue it. Oh. Were you able to get it authenticated? As far as you know. Is that a little sticker? <laughs> There's the hologram on the bottom. That's pretty good. That's a wild thing, by the way. You go to a game at Petco, look down by the Padre dugout, closer to home plate on that end. The authenticator sits there. He's got like his little folding chair and all those balls that come out, he puts the sticker on them. He makes like a note of what it is and everything like that. That's how they do those uh, authentications. It's uh, kind of a fascinating thing. Something to watch uh, when you're at a game. All right. Uh, we are late, man. We are, we're a long show today. Uh, so that means just 16 minutes from now, you can flip over to Fox Sports San Diego to watch a classic Padre game. And it was a classic. What better way 
to clinch the division than to stage an epic comeback against your most hated rival. Well, that's exactly uh, what the Padres did in September of 1998. Mud, you were not in the booth for this game. You were down on the field. That must have been a remarkable experience. I was the sideline reporter that night in the home dugout towards the end of the camera well. And I'll tell you what, when the Padres were down 7 nothing, I was like so disappointed, so dejected. And then they just chipped away for that moment right there. They emptied the dugouts. And uh, it was a night. Oh, there's Mark Sweeney. And it was a night that was uh, to be remembered for a long, long time. Very exciting. Very cool stuff. All right. That is the show today. Thank you to Ty France. And again, that game coming up on Fox Sports San Diego at 7. Uh, thanks to Ty France. Thanks to Mike Farron. Thanks to Brady Phelps and Maggie May and uh, to Mud and Butter. Uh, you guys are the best. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. Brady, thanks, always guys. good to see you, man. Mud, right, pleasure please. to be on with you, bud. Thank Jesse, you. nice work as always. And to you, and to you. We'll do it again uh, tomorrow at 5.30. Mud's doing a back-to-back. I don't think anybody's done a back-to-back yet. We appreciate that. Oh, a live look at Alpine from nice. Petco Park. Uh, Mud and Don uh, tomorrow at 5.30. How far west can we actually see, or east can we actually see from Petco? I guess that's well, if you see up, upper, like up right, right side a little bit, halfway through the mountain, like there's a double wide trailer right there. You should be able to see it. <laughs> it's the Grant residence. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great night, everybody. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.